Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away. Let me speak for the love of God. Happy 20th episode, mate. Yes. So amazing. Let's celebrate by maybe no interviews. No, that's just, right. Just the two of us at the desk. Just the boys. Maybe some regular segments from our mates. Indeed, if they're lucky. <laughs> How's it going, everyone? I hope you're all doing good. This is Good Movie Monday, the podcast presented by Fakeshemp.net. My name is Glenn Cochran, and my trusty co-anchor is the guy destined to end up on a t-shirt, Keith Schulz. Indeed. How are you, mate? Good, mate. I'm well. That is good to hear. And wherever you have stumbled upon this show, you can also find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and just about every other podcast hosting platform. Download any one of their apps and you'll be notified when we drop a big fresh one on you. <laughs> We're also on social media, so look out for us on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, you can find additional video content uploaded from us throughout the week. Every week we learn more and more about our audience and we're continually amazed at how far and wide you all are. So g'day to everyone in America, Asia, Europe, and of course here at home in Australia and over in New Zealand. Keep liking and sharing our content and helping us build a strong, loyal following. You seem to like what we're doing and we definitely love your work, so please keep it up and we promise to do the same. Mm. Now, on social media last week, we did promise to drop a big fat bomb on you. So let's get to that straight away before we move on. Some sad news to announce at the top of this show. Keith, this is your final episode. It is, I'm afraid, yes. You're leaving me, mate. I am. I'm I'm Christian Bailing, Glenn, unfortunately. My... um. I'm now working three jobs, <laughs> so uh, my schedule is stacked, so um, I'm going to have to depart for now. Well, very sad news indeed, but let's not, um, let's not start on a bummer. Let's no. move on, and we'll, we'll address that in a little bit later in the show to keep the ball rolling. As if you weren't already on edge as it was with the delay of movies like No Time to Die and Get mm, Back. Gosh. Now Christopher Nolan's Tenet. What's going on, son? Yeah, it's been it's been bumped back to August, I believe. So they keep edging it back a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks. So now I think it's six weeks in total now, <laughs> which is a long, you know, a far cry, should mm-hmm. I say, from Christopher's, you know, I'm the champion, the saviour of cinema. <laughs> it will go out no matter what. So it's disappointing. Obviously, he's got, you know, an entire, you know, corporate machine pushing mm-hmm. back on him. It's such a shame, isn't it? Well, um, like yeah. you said, wasn't he going to be the saviour of this was. whole crisis we're going through? Yeah, well, he, I think he was championing a, a new, <laughs> a, like a long-release format. So instead of playing for six weeks, he would play for maybe three months, yeah. make its money back over a longer stretch. It's going to be the only major release that anyone's interested in seeing at the moment. So, yeah, it's such a shame. I'm getting really sick of reporting on delays. And yeah. look, movie news in general, the media outlets are getting pretty desperate. Like everything they're reporting on these days seems to be actors that, you know, Favorite lines from mm, movies yeah. and you know things they regret throughout their career. There is nothing <laughs> substantial going on in the news whatsoever, which means in turn we can't report on much at all. Yeah, so it's bottom of the barrel stuff. So, so how about in a few minutes' time we track back again and uh, look back at the movies of the nineties that MTV produced? Yes, I don't know why. Why not? I'm just spitballing. Yeah. <laughs> on a side note, something exciting that I just want to plug. You probably all know about it. 
great things have come out of COVID-19, including Josh Gad's YouTube Reunited Apart, featuring reunited casts from movies like Ghostbusters and Goonies and Splash. Mm. And last week, they actually did one on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and it's an absolute belter. So just you know, take the time to go and watch it. Stick around for the last five minutes because... It will fill you to the brim with joy. Mm, yeah, it gets you, gets you in the gut. Yeah. Have, do, have you watched any of those episodes? Do you know, I think I've seen the, the Back to the Future one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I haven't watched any others. I need to I need to do it. I know the Lord of the Rings boys do one. Is that the same yeah, series? Yeah, it goes for a whole hour. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I need to get on it. This Ferris Bueller one sounds great. It is amazing. Uh, so, what else? Um, let me think. Well, it is July, and you know what that means. That's right, it's Christmas in July. Yes. <laughs> what, a, what a jolly time. <laughs> None of that annoying shit. For our friends up in the Northern Hemisphere, down here we do a thing called Christmas in July, whereby we do some weird-ass pretend Christmas because, I guess, it's winter down here Mm. and um, we're not able to enjoy those warm, cosy comforts when it is the real Christmas. It's all pretty stupid if you ask me, but it is an excuse to watch some seasonal movies and I love watching seasonal movies. You do. So, Keith, today we're going to spend at least five minutes talking about one Christmas movie each And then on our July 20th and 27th episodes, we're going to feature an exclusive interview with the director, Paul Feig, whose most recent film is Last Christmas. Yes. So is Christmas in July something you do? It's not, it's something I live through, but not (laughs) something I do. I don't, I don't break out the crackers and the Santa hat middle of July, but you know, any excuse to have some, some Christmas treats. Well, there's nothing wrong with a bit of good cheer and spirit, is there? Indeed, a bit of eggnog. So anyway, what is one of your favorite Christmas movies? Eyes wide shut. <laughs> <laughs> you had to get a Kubrickism. Yeah, I in did. There. I had to. I had my my parting shot with Kubrick. <laughs> there is, I believe, Christmas decorations in almost every shot of that film. So it could be argued, but I'm not going to put that up as a serious that's contender. That's the whole diehard argument. Yeah, that's it? right. Yep. I would say, you know, I love uh, Home Alone. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great Christmas movie. Yep. Um, f- favorite when I was a kid. Has a bit of an edge to it. But um, it's great, isn't it? It's a great kids' film. It's it's a bit um, yeah, it's a bit cheeky when you're a youngster. It definitely is. It makes me feel really old because I still kind of, in my mind, consider that a fairly recent contemporary film. It's but thirty years old, exactly, yeah. and that makes me feel old. Yeah, it's a great film. It's great. It's one of the best. You can crack that open. I only do Christmas movies at Christmas time. Yeah. You know, but that's one that you could possibly get away with at any time of the year. Oh, yeah, I reckon you can watch it. it it's beyond seasonal. It, but you've got Peggy and Daniel Stern. What a great duo they are. Amazing cast. Yeah. And obviously John Hughes wrote this one. Christopher Columbus directed it. And um, and Robert's... What's his name? Oh, <laughs> Robert's Blossom. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Played the old guy. Is the that old what you guy. Mean? That I do. He yeah. was in a movie called Deranged. Uh, yes, he was. He was in a film called Close Encounters, which I, <laughs> I thought was a Western but <laughs> Yeah, well, anyway, um, interesting, they featured Home Alone on an episode of the um, the Movies That Made Us, which yes. is on Netflix. It's a spin-off of The Toys That Made Us. Had no idea that the entire set from this film mm. was shot inside a swimming pool, inside a gymnasium at high school. Amazing. That was essentially emptied and the production company hired yeah. the entire school as their production office. What a spin-out. Bizarre. Incredible. And when the, when, um, the, the property, i.e. Home Alone, jumped from studio to studio... When Fox, I think it was Fox or whoever it was before, there may be Paramount, sent through their auditors to you know do the final mm. count and all that. The production shifted from office to office to sort of be mm. one step ahead of them and like not get caught out that <laughs> they've changed studios yeah. without telling the previous one. It's crazy, isn't it? The full story yeah. is on that show. I definitely recommend it. Yeah. But because I think that Christmas in July is a load of crap, I'm going to go for a darker pick. Something festive, but... More of your horror festival. With a Glenn flavour. Yes. So I'm going with Christmas Evil from 1980. <laughs> Look, 
this is a great film. Like it might be perceived as a slasher film because around that time there were Christmas or holiday slasher films in general. But this one's much more of a dark psychological thriller. It's about a guy who witnesses his parents getting it on in mm. the lounge room, which parents do Me too. when well, the kids are in bed. But a tune about Dad it, was it? dressed up in Santa clothes. <laughs> Indeed. So the little boy thought that Santa was molesting mother. Yeah. And so he grew up with this image of Santa in his mind and it ruined his life. So as he grew up, he ended up taking upon himself to reclaim Christmas. Mm. So he became Santa Claus in his mind, dressed up as Santa and did the one thing that Santa should do, bumped off all the naughty kids from the <laughs> list. Right. So one by one, he strikes those naughty kids off the list. Look, it is, it sounds like pretty, you know, far-fetched and, and you know, ludicrous, but it, it's a really... Good psychological thriller. He's the Christmas version of Travis Bickle, mate. <laughs> he certainly is. This is why you should not tell your kids about Santa. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was actually Brandon Maggart. That's the name of the actor. And he is uh, the father to Fiona Apple. Wow. Yes. yes. So Fiona? there's a nice little bit of trivia. Is. This is also uh, John Waters' favourite Christmas film. Okay. You know, wow. cult, cult director. Yes. Anyway, let's push on with the show. I uh, wonder what's going on in the world of new releases. Uh, let's check in with Jarrett. Hey, this is Jarrett, and welcome to PE Class. Now, we're at an interesting point in time for home entertainment, whereby all the major theatrical films that opened in cinemas late last year into early this year have all had home entertainment releases. In fact, some of those films are back in cinemas again. So it's a really odd sort of point in time where there are no more key theatrical titles headed to home entertainment. We're really only waiting for second-tier sort of things, like military wives. Aside from that, it's just DTV films, uh, it's festival films, then the odd film that was intended for a theatrical that's been sort of dumped to discs. So yeah, it's an interesting time as such, but thankfully this week is a flurry of festival films. And first off, we've got Icon, who are releasing Sea Fever. Now this film played the Sydney Film Festival last month, which was held online. I caught it at Panic Fest in Kansas in January, and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's an Irish aquatic horror that kind of plays like an underwater version of The Blob. And it would make for a hell of a double with Underwater with Christian Stewart. And I thoroughly recommend checking it out. That one's headed to DVD and digital. Then Madman's got two releases this week. The first one up is Below, which I found wasn't my cup of tea. It's an Aussie film that's set in the not-too-distant future, set in a refugee detention centre where they have, like, cage-fighting matches. It's a comedy, but I failed to see the humour in it. It should have had a bigger message. I just, I just felt like the film was was flat and I, I did not enjoy the performances. It felt very theatrical um, and unnecessarily so. Then the other release that Madman's got out this week is Pretty Baby, which is a reissue of the Paramount uh, Pretty Baby with Brooke Shields. Then Umbrella, pretty much killing it this week with a ton of home entertainment titles, making its international disc debut on DVD is Crosstalk, the Ozploitation tech horror from 1982. Uh, and then Come to Daddy, oh my god, one of my favourite films of last year, I saw it twice in cinemas, I saw it at two festivals, I saw it at Miff in Melbourne and I saw it at Monster Fest in Brisbane, I adored it. Now this is the feature directorial debut by uh, Ant Simpson, who's a notable producer, produced a ton of stuff including The Greasy Strangler and this film is in fact co-written with Toby Harvard, who wrote The Greasy Strangler. Come to Daddy is suspenseful, hilarious, bloody surprising it is it is just something else I, I loved it and umbrella have gone all out with their home entertainment release in fact at this point in time their release is the best version of come to daddy anywhere in the world it's got a q a from its west coast premiere uh, it's got a gag reel storyboards theatrical trailer it's got a teaser trailer it's even got ant timpson's short film crab boy on there so yeah it's a it's a solid release and if you haven't seen it i thoroughly recommend it 
to you. Another film that played Monster Fest last year, played actually played all the Monster Fests, and we had uh, the Australian premiere in Melbourne. It's Dogs Don't Wear Pants, which is a really strange romantic drama out of Finland that involves grief and S&M. Then there's the film Relaxo. This one has to be seen to be lead. It's a very bizarre indie comedy about a guy who's confined to a couch until he can clock a certain level on Pac-Man. It's bizarre, and I really recommend it. It's an acquired taste, though. Um, the Longest Yard is hitting DVD and Blu-ray. Yes, this is the Burt Reynolds version. Uh, the big house football flick from 1974. So don't drop the soap. Uh, I mean, the ball. Pick up the DVD ASAP. Or the Blu-ray. Or the Blu-ray. Then The Tin Drum is hitting home entertainment courtesy of the Umbrella. Now, I'm 100% certain this has been out before through Umbrella. It may have been Madman, but it's coming out again. This is that German coming-of-age film. Uh, it haunted my childhood because it used to repeat on SBS constantly. It's brutal at times, it's a real eye-opener, and it's an interesting portrayal of World War II through the eyes of a child. Then Vivarium is coming out on home entertainment on Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, we played this at Monster Fest Interstate. We played it at the other festivals, Brisbane, Sydney, Canberra, Perth, and Adelaide. Um, it's like an extended episode of The Twilight Zone. It's good for like the first 30 minutes, and then you realise it's never really going to go anywhere or end. And I'm fond of Jesse Eisenberg, as I am of Imogen Poots. Didn't do a lot for me. You know, it has a great setup and just doesn't really have the follow-through. But anyway, that's it for me for this week. Until next week, stay physical. That is a huge week of new releases. And damn, it's probably one of the cultiest and more eclectic bundles of releases in one single hit that we've had for quite some time. Happy Death Day from Scarefest Television and actor Rob Mello. Rob had to reschedule his previous appearance on the program due to an unexpected nap, but he's coming on this Friday. Join us live this Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time Zone at ScareFestRadio.com or via Facebook and Twitter by following The ScareFest. Okay, here's something, guys. I talk about it all the time. If you tune into this week's episode of Scarefest Television, you can catch me talking about John Hewitt's 2007 serial killer film, Acolytes. And there's some big news on the Scarefest front. I'm actually the new host of their newly resurrected podcast, Scarefest Radio, which has been relaunched and rebranded as Scarefest Radio Reanimated. I host it with Adrian Elder, who is Scarefest event director. And Billy Crank, who everyone knows I collaborate with from time to time. They consider him to be the larrikin of Scarefest. The first episode went online last week, and here's a little taste of what that's all about. It's confirmed that director, Irish director Lee Cronin, who's the guy behind a movie called Hole in the Ground, is going to be behind this one. But um, sad news for some fans is that Ash will not be returning to this one, but a new female character will be assuming the lead, which is just as exciting because I think the reboot prove that Ash isn't necessarily necessary. What did, did you like the reboot, Billy? No. Oh. <laughs> I loved it. What are you talking about? No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. The only reason I, I would slightly say no, and uh, it was because Bruce Campbell wasn't in it. But that's because most of us that watched it when we were younger uh, were basically raised on loving it. And yeah. I absolutely loved it. Like I said, so when you hear somebody say Evil Dead or say a, a, a movie reboot or character that you absolutely love and adore, you're going to get a little bit uh, defensive on it. But um, you know what I well, mean? like Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I thought it was an excellent film. And I think there are enough Easter eggs in there to make it a sequel as well as a reboot because, you know, the Oldsmobile was still there. 
the scratch marks on the trapdoor were still there. There's references to Ash if you pay attention. And look, not to mention yeah. the whole the whole TV series Ash versus Evil Dead kind of proved that um, there is plenty of room for strong kick-ass female leads in this sort of uh, property. So I think right it's on. exciting. But but I I did like it. Okay, I did like it. You're just saying that. No, I, I really did. That, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is I slightly don't like it because it, I was expecting Because it. Bruce Campbell <laughs> is synonymous with Evil Dead. <laughs> there you go, summed up hey. in... <laughs> so, yeah, it's lots of fun. I hope you guys keep up with it. If you like the work I do here, well, I guess now you've got more of me and... I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Find Scarefest on Facebook, follow their page, and you'll hear about every show every week. I'm sure I'm going to talk more about that. So last week on the show, we spoke to Grant Hardy about the launch of Monster Pictures Distribution, which is a new company established to produce local independent films. And Grant spoke about the concept and the overall setup. And this week, Monster have actually revealed a brand new initiative called Pitch Isolation, which is in partnership with ACTA, which ACTA, if you haven't heard, is the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts Awards. <laughs> and rather than have Grant back to rehash that whole conversation, Monster have sent along Ben Helwig to tell us a little bit more. Hey, Ben, how's it going, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, doing really good. So, dude, lay it on us. Pitch Isolation, what's the deal? Well, basically, it's a pitch competition. Uh, we've teamed up with um, Actor, as you mentioned, uh, for a horror and horror-adjacent uh, kind of pitch fest. We're looking for, uh, you know, uh, new, uh, interesting, high-quality, high-concept, character-driven uh, genre films that feature minimal locations, small casts, and... Uh, you know, kind of fall in that kind of low budget range. You know, we're looking for writers and uh, directors or writer-director teams uh, to pitch. You can find all the information about the contest on the uh, Actor website, actor.org. Um, yeah, the theme, like as you mentioned, the and it's in the name, the theme is isolation, uh, something that we're all pretty familiar with at the moment. Cool. And who can pitch? Like, what, what, who are you looking for? What kind of people can actually pitch their ideas to you? Well, the only real uh, entry uh, criteria is that you are either an Australian citizen or an Australian resident. Other than that, um, it can be anyone. Cool. Well, that's like that, that. The game is open, mate. Like the doors are sw- <laughs> the doors are swung wide open. That's really exciting. And obviously, this flows right onto the whole Monster Pictures distribution thing that was announced last week. So that's extra exciting. Um, I kind of have a feeling that you're going to be doing like a bit of a, a slow burn release of information for everyone, a bit of a tease. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, this uh, look, the, the, it's part. It's actually one of the one of the prizes, um, apart from the uh, the ten thousand uh, dollars development fund that uh, that the winner will receive, is also a uh, theat- an Australian theatrical distribution guarantee. Which, if you've ever tried to um, submit your film for funding through Screen Australia or Film Vic or any of the funding bodies is one of the requirements that you you need to um, have fulfilled in order to gain the funding and things like the producer offset and all that sort of fun businessy stuff that goes into the making of films in this country. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Well, what can you tell me as far as any advice maybe that you can give to people that are pitching? Like what would you say to someone that's probably never pitched before and they're going to have a crack. Well, look, I would I would suggest you go out and read the book uh, Save the Cat. <laughs> that pretty much will tell you everything you need to know about how to pitch and what to pitch. 
Um, to, to enter the contest, at the moment, for the first round, there's two rounds. The first round, uh, we just require the title of your film, the logline, which is just basically a one-line synopsis, uh, a three-minute pitch video, and uh, a 500-word longer synopsis of the film, and your resume. That's what you need for the first round. Uh, then that will be shortlisted to 20 applicants, uh, and then that will go to a judging panel. And then the top eight of those will be invited to Sydney to pitch at a live event uh, with the actor board, with us, uh, Chris Brown, and uh, some some other judges. Um, and yeah, then the the winner will get the the prizes that I mentioned before. Oh, and they'll also get two tickets to the actor awards in Sydney in December. You know, apart from a film market, is possibly the single greatest networking event that a filmmaker can attend in this country. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty fantastic kind of, kind of thing if you can, um, put it together and win. Well, dude, this is really exciting. It's a bit like the X Factor film industry style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, just no golden buzzer. Cool. So once again, what was the, um, what was the website people can go onto if they've uh, got something they want to pitch? Uh, you go, you go to, uh, actor.org, A-A-C-T-A.org. Um, and it's, I believe... I believe to enter, it's $100 if you're a non-actor member or $80 if you are an actor member. It's a small price to pay to travel the road to fame. And to win (laughs) $10,000. That too. Cool, man. Oh, this is good news stacked upon more good news. So cheers for um, chiming in with us to, uh, to give us the rundown. No worries. My pleasure. All right. And I have a funny feeling we're going to be seeing you around real soon. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just a like a like a bump on the back of my neck that says uh... shit. All right, cool man. Well, we'll chat soon. Take it easy. You too, mate. Thanks for having me. The new phone book's here. The new phone book's here. Well, I wish I could get that excited about but nothing. Are you kidding? Page seventy-three. Johnson, Maven, R. I'm somebody now. Things are going to start happening to me now. Keith, mate, we have lost another titan of cinema last week. We have. The legendary Carl Reiner has passed away at the age of 98. 98. That's a good oh, image. It's a great effort. <laughs> for younger folk, you know, you might know him as uh, the, the old guy from the Ocean's Eleven trilogy. But for those of us who are millennial or older, we know him more for his comedy genius. Um, yes. Famous in his early years for his comedy partnership with Mel Brooks. It was a legendary partnership. The two of them released one of the most influential comedy albums of all time. It was called The 2,000-Year-Old Man. Mm. Uh, have you ever heard The 2,000-Year-Old Man? I haven't actually, no. It's a brilliant concept and it goes in so many directions. They've done countless performances of it and it's never the same. Mm. Mel Brooks plays a 2,000-year-old man and Carl Reiner interviews him. So being that age, he's seen everything in the world and he has an answer for everything that is you know, not the conventional Indeed. answer. Indeed. Anyway, it's a great concept, very, very influential, and um, let's take a listen to that, and um, you'll get a taste for what that's all about. Sir, I'm interested in the origin of words, where words come from. Simple words like well, a cheese. a lot of them you pick up on the street. Right. Words. No, no, I mean, oh, you mean where TV? they come oh. from. I see, where they come from. For instance, a word like cheese. What's the origin of the word? Cheese came from the first man who discovered cheese. He looked into a big barrel, see, mm-hmm. of souring milk, milk that was souring, mm-hmm. and he sniffed it and he went, cheese! <laughs> Today. We still say, but when we go into our grocery, we don't say, jeez, we say, give me a little cheese. Yes, we've tempered it down. <laughs> right, and the word egg. 
Egg, egg is a strange word. You have to listen closely for egg. Egg. Egg is the sound made when a hen produces an egg. It's the exact sound. That doesn't sound right. No, it came from the hen itself. No, that's walking. When they walk, they go... No, no, right before they lay... No, no, no. But during the laying of the egg, if you listen to a hen, you'll hear... And, of course, Reiner played the straight guy to Mel Brooks's buffoon, but, you know, never underestimate the importance of a straight guy. Indeed, like yourself, Glenn. <laughs> Does that make you my buffoon? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and as a director, he made one of the greatest comedies of all time, in my opinion, The Jerk, starring Steve yeah. Martin. That is an infinitely quotable film. Yes. It was very much a part of my childhood. Yes. Uh, my teen years particularly. You know, that is a movie that would get cancelled in a heartbeat if it was made today. Absolutely, it would. <laughs> what a classic. It is. And some of the other films he directed include, Oh God, The Man With Two Brains, All Of Me, Summer Rental, Summer School, Sibling Rivalry, Fatal Instinct, and That Old Feeling. Dead Man Don't Wear played oh, as well. That is a... Classic. A stoner. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> he and Mel Brooks were close friends to the end. Apparently, they would hang out every afternoon at each other's houses watching game shows and eating microwave meals That's on brilliant, tray man. tables. What an image. <laughs> it is. I think they actually featured that on the, the Seinfeld episode of Driving in Cars with Comedians. Yeah, okay. And uh, he just went around to visit them. Yeah. That's great. Amazing. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. And eerily, being such a strong friendship, uh, Reiner actually passed away one day after Brooks's 94th birthday. Wow. So anyway, Carl Reiner, a pioneer, a legend, and possibly the last of his ilk. Oh, absolutely. What's going on, everybody? Hope everyone's doing well out there. This is Guillermo from ScreenRealm.com. Let's cover a little bit of what we've covered on the site in the last week. Starting off with Margot Robbie will be casting off with Disney in a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie. A new chapter of the hit franchise based on the Disneyland theme park ride of the same name is now in development with Birds of Prey screenwriter Christina Hudson. Robbie is set to star in what's been described as a female-fronted franchise reboot. No plot details are known, although word is that the film will not be a spin-off from the Johnny Depp starring Jack Sparrow films and will instead feature an original story with new characters. This is actually one of two Pirates of the Caribbean projects currently in development. The other is coming from franchise writer Ted Elliott and Chernobyl creator Craig Mason. A live-action movie adaptation of the much-loved books and 90s animated series The Magic School Bus is officially on the way. Elizabeth Banks has boarded the bus as both star and producer of the film. Banks will be taking on the role of Miss Frizzle, the intrepid teacher who takes her class on an incredible field trip, traveling on a yellow school bus that can magically turn into a different form of transport, from submarine to plane to spaceship, depending on what science they're exploring. Stay tuned for more on this one. No director or other stars have yet been announced. And it looks like they're going to be turning up the heat on Frosty the Snowman. Jason Momoa is set to voice the Christmas character in a live-action CG hybrid that's currently in the works from Warner Brothers and Stampede Ventures. David Berenbaum, who wrote John Favreau's Will Ferrell star in Christmas movie Elf, will be writing the screenplay. The film will be live-action, although the iconic snowman will be a CGI creation. That being said, there's no word as yet on whether Momoa will have to do some sort of motion capture as well. The character of Frosty the Snowman comes from a Christmas song of the same name, written by Walter Rollins and Steve Nelson, and first recorded in 1950 by Gene Autry and the Cass County Boys. Apple is determined to take on the likes of Netflix and Amazon in the streamer to prestige movie studio game and they're clearly willing to fork out the big bucks to do so. Apple Studios has closed a deal that reportedly passes the $120 million mark to acquire Emancipation, a true story action thriller set to star Will Smith as a runaway slave. 
As I told you guys a few episodes ago, the film is set to be directed by Antoine Foucault, known for Training Day, Shooter and The Equalizer among other films, and the script will be written by William N. Collage. According to Deadline, this is the largest acquisition deal to ever take place at the Cannes Film Festival. The bidding took place at the virtual Cannes market, where seven studios battled it out for the film, with Warner Brothers and Apple the last two standing before the latter took it out. There's a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie on the way. Nickelodeon is gearing up to reboot the franchise with a CG animated movie to be directed by Jeff Rowe, known for Gravity Falls, Connected and Disenchantment. Writing the screenplay will be Brendan O'Brien, known for Bad Neighbors, Sorority Rising and Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. The film will be produced by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg and James Weaver and will mark the first CG animated feature for Nickelodeon Animation Studio. The Turtles have already had a CG animated theatrical release film and that was 2007's TMNT, which performed well, making 95.8 million worldwide from a budget of 34 million. We also had a review go up for a small horror film called The Wretched, which follows a guy who begins to suspect that his neighbor may be possessed by a forest witch who preys on children. Our writer Adam Fleet enjoyed the film, writing, and I quote, while it may wear its influences a little too proudly, The Wretched is still an effective indie horror tale that manages to tap into some primal fears, hit you with a couple of left field surprises, and make itself highly watchable. 3 out of 5 stars. Now The Wretched is currently on a limited cinema release and is in the Foxtel store until the 18th of July, ahead of a wider on-demand release from September 2nd, so track the film down if you're after an effective indie horror tale. That about does it for me guys, don't forget to also jump on screen room for your Netflix and stand schedules for July. Thanks a lot to the Good Movie Monday team for having me, till next week, I'm out. Time's contagious I've never been this bored before Is this the prize I've waited for?
Love that song. Uh, it takes me right back to my teen years. That was run by Collective Soul, which was featured on the Varsity Blues soundtrack. Now, the reason we share that one with you is because we're going to take a look back for the next few minutes at some of those MTV movies from the 90s. There is no reason why we're doing this. Like I said, there was no news to report on. So let's talk about <laughs> something. Why not? Yeah, so MTV have produced countless films over the years, with some of the big ones being the Jackass franchise, Napoleon Dynamite, Coach Carter, even a Footloose remake. But when they launched in the 90s, there was a real distinct feel to them. They were obviously oriented towards teen audiences. Uh, but I think they were kind of brazen and edgy at the time. Yeah, absolutely. So the 90s films that they released started with Joe's Apartment in 96 with mm. Jerry O'Connell. And that is an absolute belter. I love that film. Beavers and Butthead Do America in 96, which um, ironically, they're doing two new series of that. Yeah, well, wow. Just being greenlit. They're bringing it back. They are. Wow. That will be interesting because... That original series would be cancelled if they made it today. Absolutely, it would. That was highly successful, but man. Yeah, wonder how they're going to tackle that one. Uh, Dead Men on Campus in 98. Varsity Blues, of course, in 99. In fact, 99 was a big year because they did 200 Cigarettes, Election, and The Wood. So, Keith, are you familiar with any of these? I am, yeah. So, Beavis and Butthead, the film, I believe they go on a road trip to get their, their stolen TV back. Is yep. that correct? Yep. Very last detail esque. Um, <laughs> it is. Election. Ele- it's probably, it's probably the one that stands out. It's a bona fide classic. Yeah, That's the great. film that started it all for Alexander Payne. Yeah, it's his debut film, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's a great film. Reese Witherspoon, cute but very nasty. Yep. Um, she, I, I mean, she obviously was on the map, but that was kind of like a, a star-making term in yeah. terms of her ability, wasn't it? Because what, it was Freeway that really sort of launched her career, but yeah. this is the one that defined her as a real Showed serious it. actress. Yeah, that she's got the acting chops. She's great in that. Broderick obviously Amazing. is great in that. Um, yeah, he sort of peaked very well, look, quickly. <laughs> when, when it came out, I remember thinking, well, you know, it's been so long since Ferris Bueller's yeah. day off and, you know, now he's a mature guy and he's a teacher in a film. Like, like he's almost the Edward Rooney character, isn't he? Yeah. And I, like, so I thought, you know, man, he's old. But yeah. you look back at it now, how long has it been? Th- 13 years, I think. Was, yeah. Yeah. No, not well, 99. No, yeah, 99. I said, oh, it's been 21, but from Ferris to that, is, yeah. yeah, it's quick. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is the, the gap between Ferris Bueller's day off and election is not far at all, yeah. but at the time, I remember it feeling like an eternity. Yeah, absolutely. And now look at him. Maybe it was Ferris grown up who became a school teacher. 
Well, that's a good point. Maybe that's a little fan I theory. actually have a funny feeling there were fan theories about yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. Man, oh, we've stumbled upon something here. <laughs> well, it's too bad you're not going to be around to really flesh <laughs> that one out. <laughs> that you're going to watch a movie that's different, that isn't going to show up on anybody's list except for mine. I discovered it when I was going through independent cinema phase in the 90s, like everybody, body, every other person at my age who was between probably 14 and 30. Then you found it and loved the soundtrack and just fell in love with some of the people in it. Have either of you seen Nadja? No. Shot in black and white. It was an independent film made at that time. And it has a great performance, probably other than Yuli's Gold. Uh, it's Peter F- one of Peter Fonda's best performances. He plays Van Helsing. So, it's directed by Michael Amariad. Amrida, he also wrote Wait, it. Go you ahead. said Peter Fonda plays Van Helsing? Yes. That's his only role? That's his so, only role in that movie. So why does it say Dracula for slash Van Helsing? Oh, he plays him in the flashbacks. I'm so sorry. I've completely okay. But you can't really see because the flashbacks are real blurry when they go to them. It's a it's a kind of avant-garde way it's shot. So you don't really see it. And he kind of lets you know that he's killed Dracula. And he's like, well, he was old. Yada, 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 yada about it. I can't believe I've never heard of this movie. I can't either, actually. I thought I talked about it from time to time. Nadja is one of those films that's kind of forgotten through that independent wave of cinema that came through in the 90s. But I recommend it. It's got Space Hog's great songs in the credit over it. I can't remember the names. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, 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 that's over the credits. Those are the guys from Bonehead Weekly once again discussing the legacy of Dracula, more specifically the 1994 film Nadja, which I also highly recommend. David Lynch actually produced that one, and he does appear in the film too, so it's a rarity for those David Lynch fans out there. So find the Bonehead Weekly podcast on YouTube and Facebook because next week I'm going to be their guest. I'm going to be on their show for a full 90 minutes. It's a fun discussion. You don't want to miss it. And in a couple of weeks' time, those guys will also be joining us here on Good Movie Monday And they're going to take on a whole new segment, so something to look forward to. Yes. Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen with another Good Movie Monday recommendation. Now this is our 20th episode, so I'm going to break the rules. Rules are there to be broken. And I'm going to take you back to when I was 20 years old. What year are we entering? We're entering 2006. These are my top 10 movies from when I was 20. Now, I'm not going to put them in order because that it just look, it's just too much mental real estate. I just can't do it. I love all these movies equally, but I'm just going to speed rant through these. 99% of these are available on streaming, so get amongst them. First cab off the rank, United 93 by Paul Greengrass. Now, Greengrass obviously was famous for the Bourne movies, and he just made this, you know, like this docudrama that he had done with Bloody Sunday, and you know, and he's done again with July 22nd. Uh, So he's done this thing a couple of times, but United 93 just blew me away. It scared the shit out of me, and it gave something that I had only seen through the media cycle a real human factor. I felt like I was on the plane, and that's what Greengrass was trying to do. You know, him casting some of the people actually involved in that tragedy just gives it this incredible kind of resonance. Um, Amazing movie. Check it out if you haven't. Next one, Art School Confidential by Terry Zwigoff. I think this movie is so goddamn funny. This is a guy that gave us Bad Santa. Uh, Anyone that ever tried to make sense of art or the subjective nature of art and why someone likes something and you don't and being ridiculed and being a weirdo for being into art will find a lot 
to love in this movie. A bizarre movie. Uh, it is streaming at the moment, but just, just so, so funny. Next one is The Descent by Neil Marshall. Uh, Marshall, you know, I really liked him. He was a grubby little genre filmmaker, dog soldiers, things like that. This announced him as technically really proficient, but just able to make a pressure cooker of a movie. And this has got just so many elements that I really like. It's got a fantastic kind of feminist subtext. It's claustrophobic. It's got genre thrills. It's got cool... Uh, creatures, uh, spoiler alert in there, but just check out The Descent if you haven't seen it, one of the best pressure cooker thrillers ever made. The big one, The Departed by Martin Scorsese. Uh, look, I worship at the altar of Martin Scorsese and The Departed is one of his best films. Uh, look, just, you know, between the Rolling Stones tracks, Jack Nicholson going for it, uh, who's who of male talent there. Kind of the announcement of Vera Firminga too as well. Uh, look, you know, remake of Infernal Affairs, but look, just a rock and roll Scorsese movie, and they just don't get any better than that. Little Children, the second film by Todd Field. Uh, Todd has been missing in action. He still hasn't followed this movie up. Little Children is an amazing film. Um, just, you know, just one of the most kind of idiosyncratic and memorable movies that I have ever seen, the tone of this thing. Uh, Patrick Wilson, amazing in this Obviously, Kate Winslet as well. I've seen this movie a bunch of times, and it is just sad and human and fantastic. Totally changing gears, the next movie is Borat. Sasha Baron Cohen is an institution at this stage, and look, Ali G technically, you know, is his first kind of creation and stuff like that, but Borat is what exposed him to the world, and I still laugh about some of the shit in this movie thinking about it now. You know, it is well-worn what Sasha does, but here he just, you know unleashing on these unsuspecting Americans created a comedy sensation and rightfully so. Next movie is Apocalypto, okay? Now this was a gigantic gamble. Now Gibbo has always been about those gambles. I mean, look at The Passion of the Christ. And here again, this movie was announced that he was going to make this kind of like chase thriller in, you know, set in Mayan times and, to, and everyone's like, what the hell is going on with Gibbo? He sticks it, he sticks the landing. Apocalypto is just adrenaline in movie form. Fantastic, you know, just stripped back, awesome movie and, you know, shockingly violent because that's what Gibbo does. Next one is, if I was pushed, probably my favorite one of the lot, Children of Men by Alfonso Cuaron. I remember sitting there in the cinema and just going, who the hell made this? Whoever made this, I am on his train for the rest of my cinematic life. I'll watch anything this dude does. Uh, funnily enough, Roma, the other year, was my favorite film of that year. Um, I just, I love this guy. And the master of the long take, obviously, there, you know, but just such an incredible representation of a post-apocalyptic society. Um, just red-hot science fiction, loved it. Uh, then to his countryman, Guillermo del Toro with Pan's Labyrinth is the next film. Uh, once again, like both of these filmmakers kind of just hitting this high point of their career and straddling the themes and the technical proficiencies that they are known for. Uh, Guillermo here melding fantasy and war and just creating, you know, a really, really incredibly memorable adult fairy tale. And the last film of the top 10 is Perfume, the story of a murderer. Now, has smell ever been conveyed on screen as, you know, kind of disturbing and convincingly as this movie? I would argue not. Just incredibly lush movie, uh, just firing on every single cylinder. Absolutely adored it. So there are 10 movies to check out for when I was 20 in the year 2006. Watch them all. I hope that you enjoy them and uh, sure comment and I will, I will get back to you about all of these movies. And of course that was Adam from Adam's Just Seen. He's also the chairman of the Australian Film Critics Association. And as if he wasn't busy enough, Adam's just landed a nice, big, cushy position doing regular weekly segments on Ticker, which is a 
brand new online media outlet. They present news and current affairs and all kinds of things. And big congrats to Adam on that gig. So make sure you follow Ticker on Facebook. Now, I want to address something important, Keith. We yes. never got to the bottom of the umbrella incident. We did not. And, yeah, there are some things, yeah, well, JF, JFK, moon landing, that remain. On last week's <laughs> show, you promised our listeners you would explain what happened between yeah, you and an yeah, umbrella. I did too. So it's not going to be, it's not going to be like, yeah, you Oswald. Owe them, you owe them this, mate. Well, this is the grassy knoll story that I'm about to reveal. <laughs> yeah, so basically what happened was I was at a cafe having a meeting outside and you know the big umbrellas they put to to protect you from the rays, the sun. So not not the cocktail umbrella. No, so like you know Julie didn't walk past and take me out with her brolly. <laughs> so that that fell over onto the table, and the metal pole hit me on the top of the head. So as you can imagine, you know it was a scene. Well, it's it was quite serious. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, no, it was. you were you were concussed for several days. Oh yeah, I mean it sounds ludicrous, Annie's, but I was oh, pain was inflicted. <laughs> Damn, son. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so well, there you are, everyone. You have the story. We'll, we'll let it be. That's right. Indeed. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you order a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so let's recommend yeah. some films. Do you want to go first or should I? Uh, no, I'll go first. All right. I'm going to lay this on you, mate. I'm going to recommend a film from the 70s, but not a typical Keith oh, film. Well, I was about to say, here we go. Yeah, I know. I'm going to recommend The Godfather. No, no. I'm going to go to 1971. <laughs> I'm going to recommend Mel Stewart's children's oh. classic <laughs> Willy Wonka oh, and the Chocolate Factory. Mate, like, <laughs> mate. Thoughts? Well, why did you do this to me on the yeah, on I your know. last episode? Because we really ought to be dedicating an entire show to this yes, one. Yes, we should. It's a phenomenal film. It's a sensational movie. It is like top 20 all-time films for me. It's like wow, I didn't top, know that. Top three kids' films for me. Yeah, no, same. No, I would pay that. It's... It's a stroke of genius. It's a masterpiece. It's, yeah. it's deep. It's layered. It's textured. It's edgy. It's yes. scary. The scene in the tunnel is kind of infamous when Gene starts screaming and yep. they've got like the chickens getting their heads cut, uh, cut off. Yep. You've got like the centipede crawling across uh-huh. the lip. Or and whatever. he's losing his mind. Yeah. It's cooked. Screaming at them. <laughs> yeah. Look, it is. It's a phenomenal performance. There is. He's just one of the most, he's one of cinema's most unhinged characters. Yeah, he is. It is a great performance. It is. And everything about the film, um, I, Somewhere recently, I, I heard people talk about it in, in exploring the structure of the film mm. and how it's actually quite a documentary-style film. It is, yeah. So before they get to the factory, I think there's, what, 40, 45 minutes worth of exposition where they yeah. you know, follow the contest. Yeah. So you've got news reports all around the world. Uh, it's all very tabloid. Mm. But everything's also very beige. Yeah, it's gritty. Yep. And Gritt- then when they, they hit the factory, yeah. it turns into a fantasy, yeah. which... They were the, the contrast there is that the Tim Burton remake, which was absolutely awful. Yeah, it was a fantasy from the get-go. Never understood that contrast. No. So the world outside the factory was a Tim Burton fantasy, and yeah. then when you get into the factory, it's also a Tim Burton That's fantasy. That's right. So it's just it doesn't fly. It's dumb. And Johnny Depp is no Gene. Let's let's be no. honest. Yeah, no one can rock a purple coat like Gene. He's sensational. Very like quite a brutal bastard, really. In the in the film, he's not a nice guy particularly. Yep. Obviously, you got that last great scene where he, you know, the real Willie comes out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's it's a great film. Um, yeah, brilliant for kids. Endlessly rewatchable, entertaining. It's aged very well. Uh, the scene, you know, where he sings about you know. Um, your ima- the imagination yep. song. He starts munching if on the tea. That's right. It's a great yeah. cracker. Or the Candyman. Yep. <laughs> the Candyman can blend. That's right. But th- I think it's a fantastic film. Infinitely rewatchable. Well, so get on it. Those darker layers you're talking about with his character. Mm. You know, the factory itself, we have this perception that when you're in there, it's this big magical world because he's got that one room with the mm. river going through it and everything is, you know, candy. Yeah. 
But then every other room they visit is like a slave labor camp. Yeah, it's always got the Oompa Loompas. Yeah. It's some Holocaust tones going on. <laughs> there really yeah, are. I mean, yeah. It goes into some grimy, gritty rooms where the, all the washing is being done. Yeah. You know, um, everything about it is sinister. That's right. Except for that one room. That's right. No, I agree. Yeah, there's that one room of color and magic, and then everything else is white. Yep. It's very sterile. Yep. The Oompa Loompas, I'm assuming, are some sort of, you know, critique on native... In the book there, they're natives. Yes. Yeah, that work for Cocoa Which Bands. Which is the only interesting thing that the Tim Burton film did. It, it explored that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, maybe there's some, some some subtext there. The other thing is that I've always wanted to know what a, what a snozberry tastes like. It's a shame. It's a, yeah. I'll never know. I know. Maybe they're like mulberries. Yeah, they're mulberries, yeah. Messy, bloody things. Just lick the wall, you know? Oh, look, once again, why <laughs> didn't you bring this to us for a whole episode? I know, maybe when I, when I return, we can do a special on it. <laughs> All right. Well, my recommendation comes from 2003. It's a film called In Hell, and it stars Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. This was directed by Ringo Lamb, and that was their third film together. They okay. made, I think, Maximum Risk and Replicant, which are two others that I really yeah, like. Classics. Of course I do. <laughs> Indeed. Well, this one, it's, a, it's another one of those innocent man wrongfully convicted stories. It takes place in Russia mm. and Van Damme finds himself locked in this Russian prison and forced to fight other prisoners to the death for the pleasure of the evil warden. Yes. There's nothing new about it. It's been no. done before, but you know those early scenes in Batman Begins? Yeah. In the prisons? Yeah. The whole film feels like that. Okay. Wow. Which is a really, you know, stark, you know, really it's gritty, grimy yeah. kind of thing. There's not much more to say about it. You can find it on Tubi for free. So, you know, you don't have to go far and wide to find this one, everyone. Yep. Um, look it up. It's It was kind of like the the return of Jean-Claude Van Damme, the actor. Okay. You know, like before mm. that, he was just the action star. But yeah. In this case, you know, he actually has some acting chops. There you go. So he's just not just the man with the kick. <laughs> no. Um, it's time to give some stuff away as well. Yep. So last week, we asked you to share any of our Facebook posts to win a copy of Trick and Death Do Us Part. And the winner this week was very easy to give to. We've given it to her before. Jan Miller, absolute champion. She supports everything we do. If we post something, she shares it. Mm. So, you know, I have no reservations giving this one to her. So congratulations, Jan. I'm going to tee that up with you, send those movies to you. Well done. And here's a bonus. Mr. Scarefest himself. You might call it nepotism. I don't. Where's Forsyth from Scarefest Television? Promotes everything we do. If mm. there's a video that we put up, he also shares it on. So, Wes, we're going to get something to you, mate. I'm going to make sure it's region-free, something you can comp out on your show because really appreciate what you do yeah. for us. Thank you, Wes. This week, we're giving away two more movies um, from Eagle Entertainment. And speaking of Van Damme, this is a fantastic Van Damme double feature. We've got We Die Young, which has been described as Sudden Death Meets Sicario, <laughs> and Black Water, which sees Van Damme reunited with Dolph Lundgren, in a film about a CIA black site, which apparently is a submarine at the bottom of the ocean where they stick sort of, you know, traitorous prisoners. Never heard of that before. It's apparently it's a thing. Um, <laughs> it's good to see the boys together. I think the DVD cover, cover even says the boys are back. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Um, so their brand new releases just released now. All you got to do to grab a copy is like, share or comment on any one of our posts on social media. Pluck a winner at random and announce them next week. Perfect. Well, that's the end of our 20th show. That's it, mate. Sadly, this is the end of your tenure here at Good Movie Monday. It is, man. It's, it's, it was never a chore. Always a pleasure. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I started this show with you in mind as my co-host. And you've gone above and beyond for me. And um, the show will not be the same without you. So I really appreciate your time at the desk. Yeah. It's been a super fun ride. It's been a pleasure, mate. And, you know, I'm sure I'll get to, I'll get to darken the desk once more in the future. Well, let's hope so. You're welcome yeah. back at any time. So hopefully mm. we'll get to do that. 
Um, good things for you ahead, I'm sure. Yeah. Everyone listening will join me in wishing you all the best. And uh, like I said, welcome back at any time. Awesome. So that's it for us for another week, folks. Um, remember to check out my other new show, Scarefest Radio Reanimated, on the Scarefest official Facebook page. And join us during the week for more video updates. Thanks to Jarrett, Adam, Guillermo, Screen Realm, Scarefest, and the Bonehead Weekly guys. Going to go out with another song from a soundtrack from the MTV catalogue. This one's from Beavis and Butthead to America. It's Love Rollercoaster by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Who doesn't love this song? Indeed. Have a good one, everyone. A good movie Monday. Yeah.